When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay. We spot this. <laughs> you no. can't go showing nipples on the podcast. <laughs> his nipple me. to me. <laughs> This week, well, you know what it is. It's Rangers 2, Celtic 0, and we have a lot to get off our chests. This is an astonishing rant. Episode 180 of 20 Minute Tims, and I am joined on this fateful day by Martin Melly. I'm here. And Stephen. Uh, whatever, whatever, let's get in here. Uh, let, let's get right into it. Rangers 2, Celtic 0, and can I just tell you something? We're not going to be recording very long. Because it was a meaningless game. <laughs> is this does this have the potential to become what the tabloids would only describe as an astonishing rant? Jamie, you are in charge here. You're going to have to look after this particularly ugly, nasty basket of cats in this yeah, room. Yeah, I'm going to have to try and really, really wrestle some order in here. <laughs> look how tense Melly is. <laughs> Jamie doesn't like cats either. No, I don't, no, it's true. Thanks for exclusively revealing that on <laughs> this week's podcast. I don't like cats. Scared of them. I, who, I hate I hate Huns more than I hate cats, though, so we'll spend more time talking about that. Controversial stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be talking about bears tonight anyway, because yeah. those <laughs> Ravenous bears. Oh. Right, Melly, I'm going to have to wrangle you in. I'm wrangling that right in. It's going to be a lot more. Three strikes and I'm out. Um, the lineup got leaked before the match. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was a comedy lineup with Karamoko Dembele on it. <laughs> um, but when I saw the real lineup, I thought the Celtic FC were Twitter account were having me on as well. Yeah. Mikey Johnson, when was the last time he played? He, he started, I'm sure, against Dundee. In that game where Edward scored in the 90th minute, he started in that, but it's really been that was a month ago. Yeah, and really between the last game at Ibrooks and now, he's played just dribs and drabs. It's not like he was, it's not like he was knocking on the door, getting himself right in the contention. He's absolutely out of nowhere. He's barely kicked the ball, and he really he only turned up in that game because another story from the last few days: Team Aware has been sent up the road early. We also saw the inclusion of Ollie Burke. Uh, yeah, that noise says it all. Really. <laughs> yeah. But one thing I did notice, and this is maybe something that I'll say about Celtic, out of that starting lineup, there was a lot of players signed either as backup or had replacements signed on their behalf. So, for example, Bain was obviously signed to be backup. Yeah. Lustig, well, he had a replacement. Oh, Simonov- we, were, we were all screaming for a right back only a few months ago. Exactly. So, yeah. so Simonovic, he was kind of in and out of the picture. Ayer definitely wasn't designed to be first choice. Mikey Johnson's not first choice. Johnny Hayes, certainly not first choice, and it's debatable whether or not Burke was first choice. So it gives you an insight into how threadbare the team was going into the game. There's that, but really you're only looking at Forrest, Christie and Tierney who really would have started that are missing for that game. Mm. So those players, while 
intended maybe as backup have become more yeah. than that through various circumstances whether they're good enough to have guaranteed their starts Johnny Hayes for a start I, I, I don't want to really have a go at Johnny Hayes tonight because I thought he was okay but something I said to Melly yesterday I'm I know he, a go at he's getting himself fine. all, all, all yeah. riled up right but something I said to Melly last night was that I'm guilty of it in particular. Keep coming away from games saying, yeah, Johnny Hayes was all right, wasn't he? And Melly has said all along, he's only okay for Johnny Hayes. That's it. It's because of your low expectations that you think Johnny Hayes did all right. And I, I said to him last night, I was like, we're, we're really in danger now of just overly rewarding trying. Yeah. Now that, that should be an absolute base level for any Celtic player. He gives a hundred percent. He's got dig. He's got this and that. He really tries, but we're in danger now with some of these players of overdoing that. So you see, before I go to you, Melly, and your thoughts in lineup. Who played better than Johnny Hayes on the day? That, that doesn't matter. It does. Because he was he's not good enough. He's not good enough to be on that pitch for a start. He shouldn't be backup left back for a start. He shouldn't be backup left wing because he's not good enough. He's not been good enough since he came. But now we're relying on him because we've let that happen. Aye, but what I mean, I'd say it's a bit it's a bit unfair when 11 bodies were on that pitch and he was one of the better ones to decide that today's the day that you're going to throw Johnny Hayes under the bus. It doesn't have to be a personal thing he has in fairness. It doesn't have to be a personal thing though. It's it's more having a go at Celtic for this. I started saying there that these players have, have suddenly become promoted through circumstance. It's not that they've They've played their way in. Johnston is a perfect example. He hasn't played his way in yeah. contention by doing anything else. He's just turned up. And it's the same with Johnny Hayes. He's just found himself There's in the team. There's been a lot of that Neil Lennon's, you know, Celtic. We spoke about Johnny Hayes out of absolutely nowhere. Johnny Hayes has found himself in the team. Mikey Johnson is now in the team. Lustig, I mean, you Beaton comes in and all disappears I, again. I, Sinclair yeah, yeah. dropped without explanation. My f- favourite bit was we had two right backs in the bench. Brilliant. What are we going to do with that? <laughs> the thing that scared me the most about the lineup when I first seen it was how much we now rely on James Forrest. Because oh, I looked okay. at that and thought, where's the creativity? Because there's nobody on form right now in there, possibly Edward. But if you take Edward out of the team, the other nine outfield players, where's the creativity? Because also looking at it, where's the goals? There's mm. nobody in that start lineup. I don't think that's got more than five goals this season. That's abysmal. It's May, the second last game of the league season, and we haven't got MD on form. We've got Scott Sinclair on the bench, who's got a lot of goals, but didn't deserve to start the game. And then Ollie Buck just flung in. I didn't understand the tactics. I didn't understand the formation. Yeah. And again, looking at it, Mikael Lustig goes off after he's kicked his pants again. <laughs> Why is he playing then? Why is he playing? If you're not going to play Kieran Tierney because he's not 100% fit, why are you playing Lustig against a guy who rinsed him the last time yeah. and now he's unfit and you're going to do it again? You're absolutely right on Forrest though because when I saw the lineup and saw Forrest wasn't in the squad, I my heart just sank because we're, you're right, we are relying entirely on James Forrest at times this season. And we've been moaning quite a bit recently about the state of the left-hand side. No one has really grabbed that jersey, whether it's Sinclair, Hayes, Weah, any of, any of, Burke, any of these guys, none of them have played particularly well, but it's, when you look at the right-hand side, if Forrest comes out of that team, there is absolutely nothing at all. We had nothing out wide in that game. I think what worried me the most, you know, moving on for the lineup, was the way the team was set up. Rangers have stumbled across a formation very recently to accommodate Defoe. Yeah. yeah. Because Morelos was injured. And that formation seems to be Ryan Kent is allowed to drift in for the left and find space between the lines and link up with the four. And by stumbling across this formation, Rangers are doing very, very well out of it. 
what they're doing is they obviously allow Tavernier to bomb on the right hand side. So it's very similar to Celtic and Brendan Rodgers' first and second seasons where down our left hand side we had Tierney, which meant Lustig comes across and makes a back three with the yeah. other two centre halves. Tierney's the left winger, Forrester on the right, a striker, and then in that there's the two sitting midfielders and Sinclair moves inside beside Rogic, so it's a box in midfield. That's what Rangers done. They've got that box, so they've got the two sitting midfielders. Kent can go, get around the four, but they also have Arfield and usually Jack maybe getting up close to the four because they've got Tavernier pushing on, getting the balls in, and that gets bodies around the four because he's not very mobile, exactly. whereas Morelos was. And then you look at that and say, that's good tactics. And when you look at Celtic, Edward was just left up there himself, nobody near him whatsoever, and just giving these balls to work off, it, it was an absolute torturous shift again for Martin him. Martin shares <laughs> many similarities with Neil Lennon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> many similarities with Neil Lennon. One thing they don't share is the ability to spot how Rangers play the game, because Martin Melly so succinctly, perfectly captured how Rangers play the game, how they've been playing the game since Morelos has been out of the pitch. We set up, in a way, that seemed to sacrifice our midfield. Yep. In all honesty. Not deliberately. I mean, yeah. we were overrunning midfield the way we set up. Melly, you'd you're be better at this than me, but in all honesty, being completely honest, that first half, I couldn't make head nor tail of what was going on with Celtic's formation. No. It seemed to change about four times. We are vastly overrating this, the usefulness of this swapping the wingers. I just swap the wingers, see if, they, see if this guy gets any better luck. Neither of them are, are contributing anything, so why? what's the point in swapping them? It's It was worrying when you saw that Scott Brown, Celtic's midfielders, Scott Brown couldn't control the tempo, McGregor couldn't get on the ball, and Tom Rogic, who has had the season to forget, yeah. was, we'll get on to him individually, but he was, a, he was appalling, and we could not seem to do anything tactically to navigate what Rangers were doing. Now, let's remind ourselves here, Steven Gerrard is in his rookie season as a manager, and Neil Lennon has been a manager for God knows how long now. So, it was very, very worrying to me, and this is when people talk about the drop in standard between Brendan and Neil Lennon. Brendan Rodgers was very rarely out-managered in Scotland, whereas Neil Lennon could not come up with a formation, even before the match, before the match kicked off, he knew who Rangers were going to play, it's the way they've been playing for weeks. They've won five games previously, so you know that's the bog standard they're yeah. going to come in at. And they absolutely could not do it. You know, Rangers have pressed us in, in previous games, but Rangers don't play that press anymore. So there was no need for Neil Lennon to come up with a system or a tactic to play around or beat the press, because the press didn't exist. Rangers let us have the ball in their own yeah, half. And it horribly showed Celtic up, because, yeah. see, some of the, the highlights looking back, you just have Ayer or Samunovic dithering, just like dwelling on the ball for ages and ages and ages, because the midfield, for all it was worth, doesn't exist, right? Yeah. There's no options at all. You've got players literally standing with the ball at their feet, and nothing is moving in front of them. And if Rangers don't press, then it just horribly exposes yeah. all that. I was really worried at halftime. I thought we've got to change this because we weren't getting a grip in the game at all. We didn't have a shot on target in the first half. We didn't have a, f- a shot on target till the 83rd minute yeah. or something like that. But we weren't getting anything. Edward was left up there against two guys. But aimless balls put into him. Johnny Hayes put one across. That was it. It was just aimless balls. He's got nothing to work with. The guy's at his best when he's working the channels. Why? We're getting overrunning midfield by, as I said, like their box. So why didn't we go to a 4-4-2 diamond for the second half? Because Johnson wasn't getting any luck. All he was doing was trying to cut off 
their wide players. Lustig kept, Andy Walker said it, I think, yeah. uh, kept pulling them back, screaming on him to get back because Lustig is terrified of Kent hmm. and we can slag Ryan Kent all he was, but he was great yesterday because who he was up against. And on the other side, Buck was so ineffective. He's not, but he's not a winger as we thought he was. So why not put Buck and Edward right. up front, Rogic in behind, bring on Cham for Johnson and have Cham and McGregor with Brown sitting behind them. But there was nothing. It was just switch the wingers and then hope for the best after that. There was nothing done. And I think that's the most worrying thing, Stephen. The lineup, maybe his arm was forced a wee bit, but, but maybe not. I mean, he had options there. He had, like you say, he had two right fullbacks on the bench that he could have used ahead of the injured Mika Lustig. Yeah. We had Benkovic, we had Cham, we had options to maybe go to a back three, but it, it, what what got me was I'd not, I've not seen. Celtic look as clueless in a game no. for a long, long time. That is not something that you ever got used to seeing under Brendan Rodgers. Tactically inept. No, it was it was a drift, to right. be perfectly honest. There was no... Didn't seem to be any plan past it, as I said, switching people about randomly, just like, you know, just just moving squares around the board. Yeah. Just, it didn't, no, nothing worked at all. Edward, um, I feel bad for him at points this season. I, I, talk, I talked a little bit last week about how much credit he deserves for the way he's played and, and through all the circumstances. And that's that's another one I didn't I didn't bring up. He's often up there himself, like yeah. and entirely himself. You could even have made a case for if you must play Burke, stick him up front and put Edward in behind yeah. him. At least it provides some yeah or some sort of link to something where rather than have three ineffective midfielders, then 50 yards of space and odds on Edward yeah. out there himself. I would stick up for Edward in this game as well because he provided the one the one positive yes. and it was the, the move that led to Oliver Burke's glaffed shot, oh, which was Celtic's first, as you said, Melly, first shot on target in 84 or so minutes. One shot on target and, yeah. and two games at Ibrox. Is that right? In, in the two games. Let's talk about Rangers' goal. I was... I was making a cup of tea when Rangers scored. The kettle popped. I thought it was a couple of minutes. I'll nip to the nip to the kitchen and make a cup of tea. And I heard the telly go nuts, and I couldn't believe it because that was really, really a poor, poor goal to lose. Start. It just starts from Mikael Lustig waiting on the ball coming to him. Now he knows he's going to be targeted because he's targeted in every single game, especially these against Ryan Kent. So as soon as he gets the ball, Kent is going to be pressing. Instead of going to meet it a second quicker, he waits. Kent blocks it and gets a run on him and then it's panic stations. Mikey Johnson cuts across and fouls him. A bit of a silly foul to give away. Kent he cut inside a few times and his shots weren't great, but it's Sometimes just so though, silly to give away that early on. You go and meet the ball early and get it away. You don't give them any... That's what happened the last game. We kept waiting on the ball. They came in, clattered into his, it gets their crowd up and look what happens. We waited on the ball, they get a foul and... Hey-ho. Johnston's contribution in that yet yeah, it wasn't ideal but he was basically playing as like a right wing back even yep. with a back four behind them which was ridiculous um, sometimes you need to do something in that situation because Lustig is completely out of it oh, as you gone. say just that he dropped off and, and started backpedalling if Kent isn't filled there right if he gets into the box, it's total panic stations. Ayer's going to come across and bring him down or something. That Something's going to panic if he gets into that box. So you'd be as well taking your chances with a free kick from there, which should should have been dealt with an awful lot better. So free kick comes in. Neil Lennon said after the game that he was disappointed to lose the free kick because everyone didn't seem to know what their positions were. So That's uh, his job. To, to make sure they yeah, do. Yeah. And I watched that again and it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. You've got Ayer, Brown, and I think maybe Lustig all standing at the back post. 
marking one Rangers jersey. This is just from memory. The ball comes in. Bain should have saved it. But when the ball hits the back of the net, those guys are within about two yards of where they started. Yeah. None of them have made a, a useful move to any position. Looking back, yeah, I, I saw what you were talking about. Ayer was trying to pick up Katic at first, but then Katic moved away and Ayer yeah. stayed in the same place, right? So that's fine if that's his, that's where his position is supposed to be, but you need to react to what's going yeah. on. What I will say about the free kick is it, it was a perfectly taken free kick oh, as, as, as a result, we ended up in the back of the net. I'm sure he didn't mean it, but the position, the, the direction of that was such that it's very difficult to deal with because if your defensive line is sitting so deep, basically right on top of the keeper, the defence can't go for it in case they put it in their own net and the keeper can't come for it fully in case somebody nods it past them. So it was, well, not impossible, but it's a very difficult thing to deal with in, in those circumstances. The defensive line should have been a lot further out mm. given Bain space to work in. What's, I've always found to be unforgivable is the ball shouldn't be bouncing in a keeper's six yard box. No. Right, that, that's your chance to react. It shouldn't bounce and just go over the line. I, I don't, I don't like seeing that. But in fairness to Tavernier, it was a cracking free kick. Not, not his only pretty good contribution of the day. Immediately after that, there was a, a run he went on down the right and Johnny Hayes just pulled him down. I think Johnny yeah. Hayes, he could have been booked but, for that. He was booked later on, so it could have been an awful lot worse for him as well. When the free kick comes in, it is a great ball and it's hard, it is hard to defend against, but I would have, Edward was the first line of defence. I don't think he did well enough, but mm. behind that, that should be your two centre halves. They should, I think, Ayer is outside the back post that's no use he should be inside the back post because that's exactly where the ball's going to go it was just an absolute shambles as soon as they got the free kick I said this, I've got a really bad feeling here just the way it lined up the angle and they've got a guy that can actually take free kicks which makes a difference so then right away you're starting the game 1-0 down and the old cliche goes the game plan goes right out the window, <laughs> except we didn't have a game plan, so there was no game plan to go out the window. There was not, and after that, we've done it before, like we went down to Rangers last year, and we came back and won 3-2. You always think this team can do that, but this is a really, really different team yeah. to the one last year, personnel-wise and tactical-wise. Well, we don't have Jack Hendrick come on and save the day like no. he did at Ibrooks that time. No. And <laughs> say it time and time again, back then... This, this time last year, we had much better players. But the absolute difference that Moussa Dembele would have made yesterday is unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, the guy had everything for games like that. We just don't have the players for these games anymore. I also think that formation and the tactics hung so many players out to dry. Mm. It hung Lustig out to dry, Mikey Johnson out to dry, Edward out to dry, Ollie Burke, because yeah. he's just been flung in. Most importantly, I think now we're hanging Cal McGregor out to dry because he's our best player and yep. we're not getting the best out of him because we're not playing him in his best position. Now, Neil Lennon going forward, he might get the job, he might not. But the main reason I would not want him to get the job is because of what he said about building a team around Scott Brown. Scott Brown is 34. Now, he didn't have a great game yesterday, maybe one of the better players for Celtic. That's another one of those things, though. Look, I don't good. think he was good, but No, he wasn't no. good. He wasn't good. It, yes, it. It's the same with Scott Brown every time he gets stuck in and he was the only one driving anything going forward. He's getting in about it, but he was completely comprehensively outplayed by the Rangers midfield yesterday. Glenn Kamara absolutely pissed it, right? But Can I just, just you've mentioned Glenn Kamara. 
How did we end up with Malumbu? Aye, I know. Because he's a... We looked at Glenn Kamara last year. I think we spoke Stephen about it. called it as well. I Aye. think we spoke about it in this podcast. We looked at Glenn Kamara last year. We passed him up and signed Yusuf Malumbu. <laughs> Yusuf Malumbu. Now, Glenn Kamara's not amazing, but he's Malumbu is currently on loan at Kilmarnock again. But he's, he's come in. He's not amazing, but he's come in and instantly improved them, and which is all they can ask for, really. We are shopping essentially in the same markets at times with Rangers, specifically the Scottish one. We're yeah. trying to pick up the best players we possibly can from there. And we've scoured around and somehow inexplicably come away with, as you say, Malumbu and Jack Hendry when Glenn Kamara was sitting there. Glenn Kamara's yeah, not, not the, same, the same club, but yeah, same yeah. time. Glenn, I said probably two seasons ago now that I quite liked the look of Glenn Kamara. I think he played at Celtic Park and looked and looked really good. Um, I, I didn't think I would go and sign him, but he's, he's clearly a useful player, even if he just come in and bolster the midfield, which quite frankly is on its arse yeah. at Celtic. It is what I was saying about Cal McGregor. He's our best player, but we haven't been playing him in his best position yeah. recently. And that is the reason, is because Scott Brown's back. Now, Scott Brown's been fine this season. He had a bad game in the 1-0 game. Maybe didn't play that great this game. But next season, he can't be first choice because look at our midfield options. Scott Brown can't play alongside McGregor because I don't think it works because the, yeah. the two of them are in the best position. Scott Brown can't play alongside Cham. He can't play alongside Beaton. These are all players who are younger than Scott Brown and I love Scott Brown but going forward it has to be Carl McGregor at the base of that midfield and it has to be a Ryan Christie or a Stuart Armstrong type with energy because if Rogic is in there as well we need energy around him and with Brown and Rogic it just doesn't work. McGregor, he was so ineffective yesterday and he's our best player, it cannot go on. Just to finish off briefly what I was saying there about Scott Brown, um, I realised that my intro... Were you going to say, he's the leader of the Celtic? <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I realised that I interrupted you, Melly, to say it, and then I was interrupted. and it, We basically went round the table interrupting, so we're back, <laughs> back at square one. Um, I was about to say that praising Scott Brown's performance yesterday, and I've seen it done, is again just very... It's it's pretty weak because I know yeah, he drives things on and he gets stuck in and... But ultimately, his quality on the ball yesterday was shocking. Yeah. It was his terrible touch that led to another chance for Defoe. In fact, a double chance where Bain made a save and then Defoe kind of clipped it onto the top yeah. of the bar. From, but he was, he was really, he couldn't get close to Kamara. He was skinned for Rangers' second goal as well. There, there was there was a lot of, now we do a podcast, so we feel inclined, or we have to, every week to talk about game by yeah. game. Yeah. But there was a lot of, that's the deal quiz mm. over the last couple of days. The, you know, the game didn't matter. It did matter. Oh, but we are still champions. I know, but, you know, sometimes it's just, can we just talk about the game? Can we yeah. talk about how bad the game is for, for, for five minutes? Can we stop? You know, some people live in this bubble where every other team's, oh, they're pissed, they're, they don't do anything, blah, blah, blah. And then we get beat and aye, but it's okay, we're champions. And the reason that annoys me so much is because that, that's, that's, that's hun hubris. Yeah, I know. See, I, when you yeah. turn a blind eye to these mm-hmm. things, that's when the, the, that's when the complacency creeps in. When you start saying, well, that doesn't matter because or because. And right. yeah, the, the league was over, but the match mattered. Oh, 100%. I was furious after the game. I was furious watching it. And yeah, we, we get beat. Maybe I said last week I wouldn't be too bothered, but I was bothered by the end of it. And it was purely because of the performance. The players weren't good enough. The management wasn't good enough. Nothing was good enough. We had, from Rangers goal to they get the second goal, there was a, a long gap in there and we came into the game but it was just possession we weren't yeah. doing yeah. anything with it we didn't create a single chance and I looked at the clock in the second half and it was, just, it was coming up for 55 not going for 55 but just coming up for 55 minutes and I said 
I don't think we're going to get back in this. I don't believe we're going to get back in this. There could have been 40 minutes of that game left where yeah. I had the time and I didn't see how we were going to get into this or what we were going to do it again. That's pathetic from a team that are champions and they've got a manager sitting there that's doing absolutely nothing to negate well, this. Yeah, that's a point as well because on Jamie's point about how it's, it's not a meaningless game, I, to be honest, I firmly believe that there's no such thing. No, there's, there's no such no, thing as no. a meaningless game. There's always something to be proved. There's always something to be gained by the performances. My favourite of these weird attitudes is that it doesn't matter because all that counts is the trophies. Well, why do we bother even watching these things? Why yeah. don't we just check Celtic's Wikipedia page at the end of May that's and see Jamie's what we've favorite, won? Right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, um, I don't. I don't believe for a single second there's such a thing as a meaningless game, and I'm not talking about inside the the quote old firm bubble, right? I'm talking about football wide. You could look. It's a comparison I've made a few times recently because of the, the sort of various crossover circumstances. But the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thing, their last game of the season was on Saturday there, and they went get pumped off Cardiff at home. Okay. There's no way that's a meaningless no. game because everyone at that club is starting to turn on the manager and realise that that's a terrible mistake they've made. So that's one final chance to go out and show something and so was this against Rangers show me something from these players you're playing for a cup final place Neil Lennon's playing for a job there are, there's always something don't give them talking, the satisfaction yeah either. yeah again we talk about it all the time these psychological advantages during the week we Gary McAllister coming out and saying that this is this game is the start of next season yeah. for them and if we'd pumped them 5-0 we'd have went yeah, see you next season exactly Yeah, but we didn't we passed it up this is a bit all over the place because it is astonishingly rant. Yeah, it's an astonishing rant, yes. Bringing it back to the game. I'm after... doing a terrible job, but I apologise. <laughs> You've um, lost control. You've lost I'm control. I'm sitting here on my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> I've sort of moved into the second half, but there was a wee thing, Stephen, you might want to talk about just before half time. A wee nappy. Oh, imagine my shock. <laughs> in, People are tweeting us in, about that. In common internet parlance, imagine my shock. When uh, Mikael Lustig pulls up right on the stroke of halftime. Now, I looked into this a little bit. Leaving aside just general league games, I'm talking purely about big, quote-unquote, big games. So the European games, the qualifiers, the, the group stages, and Rangers games. Mikael Lustig has now been taken off early six times this season, whether it's due to injury or poor performance. That's, that's, good, that's good research. I'm How many going... of those games were we winning? Yeah. Uh, almost none of them. So we're talking about, like, it's Salzburg and AK <sighs> Athens so away. So And that that's now two... Both games at Ibrox, he was taken off on like the 40, well, at half time. It sort of comes back to what I was saying last week, where Neil Lennon's navigating the situation by picking the players that he trusts. And he obviously trusts Lustig, so you think, see how much I can get out of him, see if I can get an hour out of him. Otherwise, I'll have to put on Toljan. <laughs> Who's crap as well. I was, he, yeah, he, that's exactly what I was going to He is. A, a pot, whoever signed him for Borussia Dortmund needs drug tested. Was it Lee Congerton? Did Lee Congerton <laughs> used to work for I'll Borussia Dortmund? Later, yeah. I, because that, you know, I, I'm very, very reluctant to call a player lazy or disinterested because the day footballers really only exist to play football. So I don't really think you're going to get anybody that's disinterested in game of football. But that boy is just picking up a paycheck until he goes back to Germany. Yeah. He was hiding. He was hiding the second half. He didn't want to get forward at all. He was just he was just trying to get through the game rather than playing in the game. Yeah. And again, Neil Lennon seems to be stuck in this limbo of players where he's he looks like he's playing players that are going to be here next season, but then he's playing Lustig and bringing on Toljan. Well, play Ralston. Or why is Scott Sinclair not playing and Ollie Buck's been thrown in and Mikey Johnson's been thrown in? These guys are just tossed into an absolute cauldron and 
Sometimes it's sink or swim, but that, it's not fair on Mikey Johnson. He is a wee boy. He has been performing well. <laughs> he is. He's a wee boy. It's not fair. He's performing well for the reserves. He's been scoring free kicks and doing well, but you've just tossed him in, so you could have set him back. He might not make another appearance for months now. What a tossed chat there, and as we were saying, Michael Lustig was tossed off at halftime, <laughs> also taken off from the pitch as well. Now, I, I will feel bad if it turns out that Michael Lustig's got a really serious injury now, but the problem is, as has been demonstrated this season, he's cried wolf so many times yeah. that I'm not going to feel sorry for him. He's the boy that cried pussy, because that's what he is, <laughs> that well-known fable. Uh, yeah, I know. Oh, God. Um... Melly, you accused Toljan of hiding. It's not something I like to do again. I don't like to accuse footballers of hiding, but I did tweet during the match, Rogic is hiding because hmm. that boy was hiding. He was the hide-and-seek champion in that game. I don't know if he was crowded out or I don't know if he's not fit or I don't know if Rangers were just doing such a good job, but there was a, there was one particular point in the game where there was a, we played a wee triangle in midfield and I think it was Brown, Rogic to Hayes. Hayes takes a couple of steps forward, looks up, expecting Rogic to have moved with him and Tormogic is just dawdling where he was left yeah. in her own half and there was stuff like he's walking back now Tormogic hasn't had the best of seasons I think we can all admit it no he no. hasn't and I now find myself saying that he must be dropped now he has to get dropped he can't be the first choice for the next couple of games because he's just proved nothing and that's not the first time I've said that this season there was a run of maybe August, September where I thought you can't keep playing him and it goes back to what I've been saying earlier on about my incredibly low expectations now that's just been forced down um, where I've, I think last week I said, oh, do you know what, Tom Rogic's looked all right, but again, I, I said, did you say anything else last week? Make any other predictions? <laughs> predictions, um, because we did predict, we did put predictions on this game, didn't we? I think my prediction for this game was, uh, something, huh? Uh, 3 0. Yes, uh, three there, we nil there we go. Mine didn't count because Scott Sinclair didn't start. I think you said, I think Stephen, you actually said we were going to breeze it. <laughs> yes, I did. I think that's what you said. The thing is that just going back to that prediction, Again, we've already credited Melly with knowing more about Rangers' approach than, than Neil Lennon, and I, I said the same thing. It's not, it's not a genius. You don't, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be Johan Cruyff to work out that Rangers are going to attack from the off, attack Mikhail Lustig and go for it in the first 50 minutes. All we need to do is control that in some way. And that's exactly what happened. We were 2-0 down inside two minutes. Eh, sorry, 1-0 down inside two minutes. That's the, when we're going on about Rogic, yes, he was terrible. He just didn't look interested, but I could say that not disinterested, but the whole midfield was overrun and I come it again, we were getting overrun because Rangers had more players in there and instead of being able to adapt to that, we didn't. We just left those three in there playing against four and five players sometimes and Johnson and Buck were not pinning their full-backs back at all so we were just getting overrun time and time again. I mean, poor Johnson, I just feel for the guy. Ollie Buck... I just don't know where he's going to go next season. Edwards just left up there, just launch these balls up to him and hope he can beat three, four players and just conjure something out of nothing. We had to adapt to that. We had to get more bodies in midfield. Or if we had changed it up at the start, I just don't think Johnson and Buck, if we were getting pinned back, how are they going to defend? They're not defenders. Buck is, I don't know where he plays. And Johnson's a young boy. Despite the fact that uh, Morelos wasn't playing, I, I, I fancied a red card in the game. I put it on the bet. Um, I, I thought it was getting up when I saw John Flanagan throw an elbow into Scott Brown's face in direct view of the referee. Nah, 
Mm. Only a yellow card in Scotland, not a penalty, incidentally, because the ball wasn't in play. That's fair enough, right? I can buy into that. That's an actual rule. Right. The incident itself, I can only imagine that what has happened is Clancy is aware of it enough to know that two players are kind of about to go at it, right? And he's he's taking his eye off that for maybe like a split second to witness the corner being taken, right? I'm talking like a quarter of a second. He looks away and looks back and one of them's on the deck. I can only imagine that's what's happened. And he has assumed that he's either blocked him or barged him with his shoulder or something because if he has seen an elbow and only booked him for it, then I, I can't get my head around that at all. What everyone saw was a pretty clear elbow or at least forearm in the in the sort of chin stroke throat of Scott Brown. It was clear as day. So I can only imagine, I can only try and give him the benefit of the doubt and think that he looked away for a split second. It, either that or it, yeah. But even still, it comes to, I think it might, remember a couple of months ago we had this weird interpretation of what was brutal? Remember brute that? Force? Brute force? Yes, right. I think it might excessive come into force excessive force. Excessive or brutal force. It might come into that. Should have been a red though, Melly. Oh, 100% red. And if he sees it and he's not given a red, I don't know what he's doing. No. It's unbelievable. And look, it should have been a red. But this really hurts me to say it. But even taking away that, Celtic, I don't know what they'd have done. What no. would they have done different against no. 10 men? Because we, we weren't creating anything whatsoever. You, you you said it a couple of weeks ago. You said Neil Lennon's Celtic team seems to just, instead of relying on systems, they seem to rely on having better players than the other team and eventually those better players will figure out a way to get the ball into the back of the net. That's what happened with Celtic's one good moment. It was just a, a flash of brilliance from Edward got away from Katic or whoever it might have been trying to pick him up. One touch around him and then they cut back for Burke. That's, but that's all that happened. It was a, a better player taking advantage of a poorer defender. Ollie Burke has no future in the game. He does not. That's why last week, even though we beat Aberdeen 3-0, I was still wary of that performance because it was a goal from a cross and Lustig, out of all people, was at the back post to head it. A goal from a corner, which never happens. We didn't break them down mm. until the last goal when Aberdeen started pushing guys forward. We're not breaking teams down at all. I mean, to go to Rangers and get that, the Rangers get the second goal, rip us apart. But the one chance Stephen's talking about and Ollie Buck you just have to score that, that, that that's terrible. all you do with that and that, that's our first shot on target 84 minutes into a game no matter who it's against that is unacceptable and even I think we had four shots on target uh, four shots on go the whole game I can't remember them because they weren't no. significant chances whatsoever it was the most pathetic performance I've seen for Celtic for a long, long time. It's worse than the previous one. I oh, 100%. Through, but, um, the, the thing about Oliver Burke, I have run the whole journey with him now. Yes, you have. I, certainly I have. started, uh, if you'd asked me, and people did, on the Friday phone and we did, what would, who would you sign? Who, which loan players would you take, if any of them? And I said Burke, because he, at that point, four or five weeks into his Celtic career, he seemed like he was tailor-made for the Scottish game. An absolutely perfect Celtic winger or, or centre-forward or whatever. I didn't see him getting too many goals going forward, but he looked at a really handy player. And I've since walked the whole mile from that point to arriving at the realisation that he is a dug repeatedly running into a patio door. <laughs> well, talking about going full circle with players... I think all my praise of Christopher Iyer has gone to the young man's head <laughs> yeah. because I thought he had... Now people get very sniffy when you say this, especially me, but I thought the guy had a bit of a stinker. Nah, we need to do it. Nobody's nobody's really surviving this performance, to be honest, with the exception of Edward. As I said, I would I would go to bat for Edward because I feel sorry for him in mm. those, that, that set-up, but in all honesty, I'm not giving anyone else the night off. Uh, Iyer needs to iron these stupid, stupid mistakes out of his game. He does. Um, and for the second goal... Oh, 
I thought he was culpable. It was heavily. Again, it's just that thing we spoke about. Was it last week where you're going? Don't foul him. Don't foul him. He's just too too eager to get to the ball. You don't always have to win the ball. Sometimes just ushering a guy away is better. And he's just a bit too rash. He does go to ground too easily. And I thought he got drawn towards the first ball as well, a bit too easily pulled himself out of position. Yeah, I thought I thought the whole defence was pretty shambolic and that's just systematic of not knowing what they're doing, not knowing where they should be and they're scared because the two fullbacks are going to get got at. The, the second goal, the Glenn Kamara skinned a couple of players in it. One of them was Scott Brown. I think it might even have been Scott Brown twice, to be perfectly honest, because he did a little drag back and bought himself out wide and then was passed and just turned um, Scott Brown and he played the ball for the foot. It was a cracking dummy from the floor. Yeah. It was a really clever dummy which bought Arfield the space. But again, defence completely sleeping. But at that point, we were making Glenn Kamara look like the best midfielder in Europe at that point. The way his work for that goal was... Glenn Hoddle. Yeah, <laughs> Glenn Hoddle instead of Kamara, exactly. Um, but the defence were completely sleeping. Just watch the, the goal back and realise how long it takes anyone to realise our field is there. It's yeah. like a, in, in real time it only might seem like 1.2 seconds or something like that but it's like it's two big lumbering trees standing in the in our box that just don't bother turning. It's because they've always got the spare man in midfield so there's so many times of that we're a Celtic we're not pressing we're not, we're not doing anything but Rangers always had that extra man because they were using it and they were bringing somebody in but that also means there's space where out wide or somewhere and we just didn't take advantage of any of that. Arfield getting in and scoring. He's a horrible hunt. He loves them. <laughs> and we're letting guys like him, like Ryan, Jack score. I think their midfield was Jack, Kamara, Davis. Yeah, and I forgot what Davis was playing, actually. Yeah. Arfield. None of them cost them a penny. Hmm. And they're dancing ring rounds on midfield. That is embarrassing. On Ayer's development as a footballer, I think... I think he gets away with a lot. I'm a big fan of him, but I think he gets away with a lot because he's quite fast and he, he's got long legs and he gets into these tackles. Now, that works quite well for him. There was a moment a couple of games ago where he the ball kind of went under his foot and he recovered with an absolutely brilliant tackle. I think it may have been Kamarmak. Yeah, it was. It was Brophy, wasn't it? Um, he gets away with that, but that's not something you can rely upon. That's not the foundation on which top defending is based. Yeah. It's it's positional. It's position and awareness and that's something that he doesn't have as yet as a footballer. Now I'm not saying that it won't come, but it's only so long you can rely on that your physicality. It's again it's Celtic all over. Christopher Ayer is a good player, but he has to be playing alongside a centre half who's been there and done it. You can't just shove him in alongside, what, is Jojo 23, 24 maybe? Yeah, something like that. But he's, he's not played a lot of football in his career. We're trying to get these guys learning on the game, but there's nobody there to teach them. It's why we brought in Compare, but he's turned out to be a disaster. And just looking at the the squad, that, whole, that team at the weekend, we've done it under Neil Lennon first time round. We chipped away at the quality and sold mm. off players and failed to replace them. Said it time and time again, we'd done it last season where we lost in Belly, Armstrong, Roberts. It's just going like that again. And now we're looking at it and this team is just gone. There's nothing left. It needs refreshed by better players, new players, because we're just using the same players time and time again. And now we're getting to the point where we're using not as good players to come in and inspect the exact same results and not getting it. What I would say on that is that 
I heard the stat on sports scene that last season between Celtic and Rangers, the aggregate score was 14-2 to Celtic, and this season it's 4-3 to Rangers. So with that in mind, I'm not going to go into it, but with all that's happened to Rangers in the last six or seven years, with all the advantages Celtic have had, with all the money they've had, with the top-class manager they've had, are Celtic far enough ahead of Rangers for you? No, the, not at all. Are they far enough? Are they as far ahead of them on the pitch as they should be this season? Looking, not by a long chalk to me. Again, looking at that team, and I was having a look at the transfer windows. I don't want to get into all that too much, but since the, we're, st- we're still banned, I believe. Yeah, that, yes, that yes. ban hasn't been lifted nope, yet. No, it has not. <laughs> but looking at it, it's only Edward and maybe in Cham who didn't start the game and has had a pretty off and on season that we have bought in the past two seasons that has made any sort of impact. That's four transfer windows and players just coming in not making an impact and it's now players we're going to need to get rid of and that is going from a point where we had a good team, sold players and now we've just, as I said, chipped away at the quality and we're just, Johnny Hayes is playing, Simonovic is playing, Mikey Johnson's starting where are, where's the investment? Where has the players come in and made a difference? We haven't had any and it's shambolic. I think it's, are, are Rangers, are Celtic far enough ahead of Rangers? Well, for me, the obvious answer is no and that is down to recruitment. Yeah. Yep. It's down to getting the recruitment wrong. I don't think anyone can deny, like Melly said, the transfer windows have been a disaster. Yeah. The recruitment's been a disaster. Lee Congerton has just left the building. Good night, sweet prince. Good night, <laughs> no longer sweet with prince. us. Yep. He's on his way down to Leicester. We knew where Brendan Rogers says he identified two great talents when I was at Liverpool that we couldn't get over the line. One was Neymar, one was Coutinho. Right? <laughs> right. Now, I'm, I'm prepared to take Brendan Rogers okay. at face value there, right? And I think what's happened is Brendan Rogers and Lee Congerton have struggled to shop in the market that Celtic can afford. Yeah, yeah. I could buy that. I could definitely go along with that. I think that is. Probably a problem that neither of them anticipated uh, when they came in. Is Lee Congerton though? Is he like Brendan Rodgers' brother-in-law or something like that? Well, I don't know, but he, he <laughs> looks like he, I, I mean, I, I, I heard him called a shyster by someone mm-hmm. who might know. But the, the thing is, if you've got that trouble recruiting, Brendan Rodgers is such a good manager. He went, "We'll tell you what, I'll just work with what I've got here because I can make sure these boys are their absolute best." But see them in it. That that only goes for so long. Yeah. Oh yeah, I that only goes for so long. And then the minute that manager leaves, you're left with a situation where you've got okay, Alex Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got you've got Neil Lennon. Now, let me ask you your question. Since we're throwing oh, around, oh. since we're throwing around <laughs> questions, does that match have any bearing internally, so far as Celtic are concerned, on whether or not Neil Lennon gets a job? Yeah, it should do. Just the, so, the, not the result, not the yeah. result. I, I'm perfectly happy to go along with the the fallacy, right? I don't believe it, but if everyone wants to say it's a meaningless game, I'm happy to go along with that results wise. But it's the performance. It's mm. and I know what I, I find myself saying this all the time. It's, it's the manner of the defeat and it is the the lack of direction, the lack of a clue, the lack of being able to change things in game. That's all got to work towards you. We're, You've said it before, Jamie, he's he's got an on-the-job interview mm. and that's got to be taken into account. The fact that you couldn't change a game against your biggest rivals who you should be miles ahead of on the pitch. Again, something you said earlier on, a rookie manager. A rookie manager with what we like to, at points this season, refer to as substandard players. Okay. And and we can't, we can't ignore the fact that we've lost twice at Ibrox. 
Yeah. I really, I really feel for Neil Lennon, Millie, because I, I love, I love Neil Lennon as everyone who listens to this podcast knows. I was, I was vouching for him to be the manager before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just seeing that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too dramatic about it. He's not, he's not losing games left, right, and centre. But what is worrying me is the lack of tune that he is getting out of these players. Yes, yeah, it's, it's terrifying. I think, and going forward, guys that were performing just before Brendan Rodgers left are not performing now. We don't look like we've we've got a clue what we're doing. And Brendan Rodgers was probably up there with as good as manager as we can get. This summer we can get a better one. We'll come on to that later. <laughs> we, as a good as manager we can get. He was a hands-on coach who developed players and made near enough every player he worked with at Celtic perform better than his predecessor, Ronnie yeah. Dyler. Revolutionised the club from yeah. top to bottom. And alongside that, you had Chris Davis. I was lucky enough to be on a coaching course with him. The guy's... Oh, name drop. Yeah, had to. (laughs) The guy is unbelievable, just so meticulous, knows exactly what they're doing. Brendan Rodgers had that staff, and it was phenomenal. Now, you drop down to Neil Lennon, who isn't really a coach, he's a manager. So that's Brendan Rodgers for Neil Lennon, standard, dramatically dropped. Then you bring up Damien Duff, who's been... Well, reserve assistant manager to reserves. Mm, yeah. Fair enough. Assistant to the manager. Yes. Of the <laughs> <assistant> manager. <laughs> uh, to Tommy McIntyre. Now, Tommy McIntyre says he's a great coach, but he's not got a lot of experience. Chris Davis has got a wealth of experience, so that's two down. We've lost Cole O'Toole, we've not replaced him. And listen to Simon Ferry's interviews when he's talking about players that used to play under Neil Lennon. It was always Gary Parker, Alan Thompson took the training, Lenny did this. There's no, it doesn't look like there's a plan going into training and it's players that have gone from that standard and it's gone down. Their standards are going to drop as well and it, it can be helped. You can, I mean, you can excuse that, how that's panned out, Stephen, because Neil Lennon just had to scramble to yeah, get a backroom staff by, yeah, by right. who was left beside him. And yeah, not the one he would have wanted either. Just yeah. speaking of backroom staff, so it's something Melly said about Chris Davis, I think he has, um, He's gone under the radar in this whole debacle with Brendan Rodgers because it wasn't the big story, but I think, I think it's been gone, it's gone understated rather just how big a miss he probably is to this club because I know how much you, you rated him as well, Melly, as as a coach, having, having seen it firsthand. I'd have wanted him as manager if Brendan had left himself. I think, but just to see, I I had a lot of high hopes for Chris Davis that there was even talk at one point of him being groomed to be the Mm. manager after Brendan Rodgers. And I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been against that. To see him in the Leicester dugout now is a, a kind of sore one because we've all reviled at Brendan Rodgers. And in all honesty, I've always found Brendan Rodgers to be a fairly ridiculous man anyway, but I always thought Chris Davis is the real deal. No, I don't mean Brendan Rodgers isn't the real deal as a coach, but I just mm. thought that, that's that's a real good asset to have at your club. And I just, I don't know, it kind of pains me to see him not not there anymore. It was just, I think Neil Lennon has, it's just, he's got a very, very, very difficult job on his hands. He seems quite muted a lot of the time, especially in his mm. after-match press conferences and, and even on the touchline, he's not out shouting and bowling. I think he, I think he very much, he, he feels like these, he feels like the stepdad or whatever. You know, he feels like these aren't his players. This isn't his team at the moment. He's not going to come out. He's always making excuses to players. I think this is the ninth game. He said they were tired. So right. he says that one more time. Yeah, yeah. They've had a whole week's break. They won the league last week. We've not had midweek games. For but they were away partying in Dublin. They let yeah. them go away partying. I know you need to do that when you win the league. You need to celebrate it and all that. But I think he's just, he's not going to come out and, and slaughter the players that much. But part of me is also feeling like, Neil, if you want this job, show it. Come out there and say. Said, you know, show me something. Show yeah. me something. You know, Come out after your after-match press conference and goes, 
They didn't listen to a word I said all week. Uh, you that's know, what he did last time when they lost to St. Johnson. He came out and slaughtered them. He said, I've got strikers that don't want to work. And he went right through the team and slaughtered everyone. That's the Neil Lennon that wanted that job. Maybe this one's been told he's not getting the job. And what you were saying about internally, should that affect his chances of getting his job? Massively it should. You think, but, but see, when I say that, I mean, see Neil Lennon this time last week, there was a contract, a three-year deal on his desk. And then that happens. Do you think that that think after that ninety minutes, Ibrox are taking that contract off his desk? I think so. I don't. I don't see why they put it in front of him because this was one of the probably the biggest tests he had in in the games he had. This one, yes, he was won the league, but it looked like we were going to win the league. Well, Kevin said that there were eight points clear and he took over now six. Yeah. Well, 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 nine points before the game, weren't we? Yeah. So, but this was the acid test. Can he go there and deliver a good result and then go on and win the cup? And he's not done that. And now. You've got a situation where Peter Law might want him, but does Dermot Desmond, will the board all agree on Neil Lennon? I don't think they will. The fans are more than 50-50, maybe 70-30 against Neil Lennon. And that's another that thing about the, the meaningless game stuff as well. It's not, you've got half a fan base to win over there as well, and you think that, that worked. Yeah. You think anyone was considering that a meaningless game, If you, you will not convince me. I know there's a lot of noise about it on Twitter, right? But that's, mm. but that's by the by, right? But you can't tell me that the fans who turned up to that game, the fans who, who went out to watch it, anyone, you can't tell me that Scott Brown didn't want to win that game, that Neil Lennon didn't want it, that the yeah. meaningless thing is a red herring. It yeah. should be ignored. It's, it's, it is difficult for Neil Lennon because, you know, the Celtic board will, will have one eye on fan reaction and one eye on social media and they'll be playing a dangerous game because, you know, it's very difficult to talk about this because you, you don't want to feel like put Neil Lennon in charge of somehow dereliction of duty it's not the case at all Neil Lennon is a competent and yeah. good football manager yeah. and but you just think the board will have one eye on this and you think because people are annoyed how can they how can they give him the job it's going forward as well if it goes into next season if he was going to get the job they, they should have gave him it by now and said this is our man a statement out we're backing him it's this a, is that's how- a difficult one though because it's- if they say that and he doesn't win the league or he doesn't win the cup. You've got an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer situation where you've given the guy a job and it looks as if the team's in a downturn. Yeah. The board have got a difficult game to put with Neil Lennon. They, yeah, they do. They do. And I always thought they should have waited to the end of the season even if they weren't going to give him it. But now it looks like the fans are so much further away from mm-hmm. Neil Lennon that if he does get the job going forward, it's going to be a bit of a it's not going to be as exciting it's nowhere near exciting and then going into next season every time there's a bad result it's well well we shouldn't have appointed him or is he going to go on that if a manager's coming in it needs to be fresh and most 90% of the fans need to be behind him Neil Lennon is, is nowhere near that fans are fickle though you know if if Celtic lose this game beat Hearts next week beat Hearts in the Cup treble treble and then the very next day they come out and go Here's your new manager, Neil Lennon. I'll still be furious. He's going for nine in a row. I mean, come on. You're not going to, you're not, people aren't going to boycott. What are you going to do? I'm not going to boycott, but you're not going to want him as the manager. So next season, every time there's a bad result, you're going to go, oh, if he doesn't get into the Champions League, then it's a oh, disaster. We need somebody else in. You can't go into management like that because it, it, it rarely ever turns that everybody gets back on board with him. People weren't set on dialer from the very start and look what happens. People, as soon as Brendan Rodgers come in, get right behind it and it goes a totally different way. But what about Stephen giving Neil Lennon the job? And then there's a massive clear out in the summer happening anyway. No, that's true. Yeah, he could get his own players in 
which I'm sure he would want to. The, the thing... Gary that, Hooper coming back. Gary Hooper, is he no getting a new contract? <laughs> um, but the thing with Neil Lennon now, right, I think the the appointment is simultaneously the best one that was that could have been made yep. at the time, but also the worst one as well. Ooh. Now, I don't mean the worst in terms of manager, but I just mean that with Neil Lennon, I've said it before, but with Neil Lennon, there's an awful lot of emotional baggage there with Celtic fans. And I think, to be honest, I think that's the only reason anyone would want him to be the manager now. I, I don't think there's any way based on the performances and the results. And not all of the results have been bad, of course not, but the the, the manner of some of the performances... Had it been anyone else, I don't think anyone would want him. Say, for example, it was David Moyes. Right? Mm. If David Moyes had come in the day after Brendan Rodgers left and had turned in the exact same performances, the exact same results, there would be nobody advocating for that guy to get the, the job permanently now. And I think the the fact that, as we talk about all the time, the fact that we all love Neil Lennon, I think is the only thing, is the only tick on his, on his application. I could maybe make the case for Neil Lennon get the job next year. Yeah. What if your options are all about Neil Lennon level. Hmm. If um, Neil Lennon level of manager is, is the pond that you're fishing in, you, you're not getting Moyes, you're not getting Steve Clark, you're not getting Benitez, you're not getting Martinez or Mourinho, you're not getting even Eddie Howe, you know, Chris Hoot, you're looking at Chris Hutton, someone at that level, Neil Lennon, maybe those Derek are the... McInnes. Derek McInnes. <laughs> maybe those guys... I'd take Hutton over Lennon. You would take Neil Chris Hutton over Neil Lennon for nine in a row. Yes, never in a million years. Give me Neil Lennon. He's he is a safer bet. Neil Lennon being allowed to clear that squad out and bring in his own players. He is that is the argument for Neil Lennon. Well, the argument for Neil Lennon because he's been there and done it. He's beat Alan McCoy's Rangers and then he's beat nobody. Yeah, there was nobody to go up I mean, against. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the job Paul Higginbottom's done at Hibs. We promised we wouldn't have this conversation and look at us having it. Well, speaking of the clear-out, let's wrestle it away from that thing. Speaking of the clear-out, it already has begun. Uh, Neil yep. Lennon's hand, Timo Weah, as we suggested earlier in the podcast. Neil got pelters for that. He got pelters for that. Uh, Ridiculous. Uh, it's a bit of a strange one. I don't really know who to blame for that. I can't... I can't Timo? Think, uh, if yeah. we could, I can't really think that it's entirely Neil Lennon's fault if... If we were to, like, that, that's another one that's a kind of cult of personality thing with Timo Weah. Everyone's bought into the, the concept of Timo Weah, mm. but he's, as we joked about a couple of weeks ago, he's a meme. He is he's, he's a footballing idea at this point. He has done absolutely nothing to suggest. I'm just annoyed was, we can't use Mimo Weah <laughs> as Mimo a Weah. podcast. Here. But he, he's done absolutely nothing. And I, I tweeted during the week there about how, that I kind of joked about how you know, when he first came in, everyone said he was, or well, a few people said he was just going to be the Charlie Masson, and everyone got a wee bit nervous about how that, that might have been a wee bit racist. Right? <laughs> but it, it started out as being lazy, got nervously close to being racist, and actually ended up being quite accurate by accident because Timo Weir didn't do anything. Right? He came in and we slag Alfredo Morelos. He'd done a lot better than Masonda. Yeah. See, better because, than Masonda. See, prior to him, scoring against or playing against St Mirren a couple of weeks ago the playing time was fairly similar the Charlie Masonda only set up the goal against Zenit St Petersburg and that was basically it but 75% of Timo Weah's goals were against St Mirren and Airdrie with Aye. the best team he scored against being St Johnson I'll certainly, not, I'll certainly not miss him no uh, def, definitely uh, not but, but I mean the, the, so, sorry just to, to blame Lennon for it I think is, is strange because we don't really know what's happened Neil Lennon has previously in the past said that he's a poor trainer. Hmm. You can't really have that. You can't have that at a club like Celtic. Hugh Keevans obviously got the story from whomever, and he says that Timo Weah wanted to go to the World Cup, which kicks off next week. 
kind of Patrick Roberts situation yeah, from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yes, and what happened was Celtic came up with a, a solution that they thought suited both parties in which meant Timo Weah would return to be part of the cup final day squad on the bench or whatever. Timo Weah didn't like that compromise. Yeah. So Celtic said, well, there's no other option. You really have to go. I wonder if that threw chaos into the preparations because Timo Weah started last week and by looking at it, he probably just started that game and this yeah, all yeah. came out on... Certainly fr- rather than wheel out Johnston and Burke yeah. for the wide areas, yeah. This all came out on Friday, wasn't it? Yes. So we've probably been working on the game plan if Lennon does that with Timo Weah in mind and yeah. then he goes and he's mm. gone. So that could be another reason. One thing I did find quite interesting was, as I mentioned, a lot of people were throwing the blame at Lennon's door, which is understandable when you don't understand the situation. But <laughs> one thing I thought was quite funny was the amount of people quoting under Hugh Keevans, you're talking shite. Like, <laughs> you don't know any better. I know. You don't know better than you. SM, SM. I know. Just anything remotely sort of negative slant towards Celtic. It was just hilarious. Well, last time we had a sort of disastrous result like this, which also pisses me off because we always wait till we have a disaster before we move on it and do anything about it, was the fabled 2-2 draw with Rangers where we <laughs> lost in penalties. I called it the extinction level event. Yes. That's right. And probably now we've got one due to the amount of players leaving and Dermot Desmond didn't like getting sprayed with champagne. So oh, he's even and, playing golf again, Nelly. out and got, uh, <laughs> we even got Brendan <laughs> and he's flexed his muscles again and got somebody in a three-year deal. I've had a text tonight. Three oh, year a text? Deal. Oh, wait, wait, oh wait, here we go. Settle in for this. I will disappoint you first. Jose Mourinho off to Leon. He's, oh, going, right. he's going to look after Musa. Oh. But my original... Rafa's in three year deal. What? Is that what your text says? That's you know how many text. texts I've had this weekend about I've had a text about how Neil Lennon's driver or whomever, I don't know if Neil Lennon has a driver, as he think yeah, it is I Arthur think Daly. Think Neil Lennon driving, so oh, is he? Neil Neil Lennon's driver was has moved to Glasgow. I've heard that deal. I heard that story. I also heard a story that said um Peter Lowell is really only interested in Neil Lennon. And in the background, Desmond, Desmond Desmond's doing sort of Desmond Day things, trying to get other people like golf. Got, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> golf. Yeah. I got that text, and then Melly just got a text here to say that Rafa Benitez has signed a three year deal. <laughs> Probably all bollocks. How much driving does Neil Lennon need to do between his bit and tenants anyway? <laughs> just, <laughs> just away. And on that, Lennon and tenants, it's not a bombshell, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, no, you can't say that. When, no, when oh, Neil that's the second week in a row. <laughs> um, and on that, any other business, I suppose? Well, I would I would like to have a wee nod towards uh, Amy Louise Aguirre exclusively revealing in the papers this week that he has been offered a new Celtic <laughs> no, contract. <laughs> no, and, no, And that's not the end of it. He's unsure whether he wants to take <laughs> it or not. So we could end up in the situation where not only have we inexplicably offered Aguirre a contract, we could be turned down by Amy Louise Aguirre for a new mm-hmm. contract. Now, if he turns Celtic down, fine, right. You don't ask, you don't get. Shoot for the stars. Yes, it just Melly keeps saying. It just shows you the type of calibre of player we're in for. It worries me when, uh, well, for, for a start, I don't believe a word of that. So <laughs> he, I, said, he said it himself. Who's I, he? I uh, Paul, Paul the Tim still his agent, is <laughs> he? I can only imagine something has been lost. In, did he give the interview to some like Honduran newspaper or something? I, don't well, know. I think he's probably hawking himself and he's going, no, by the way, guys, in case right. you want me, you know, but, but we've got a deal for Celtic. I've got that one under consideration. No, Emilio Azaguiri, you know, th- it was a red flag when you returned yep. as far as I was concerned it's panned out to be that way goodbye <laughs> adios adios 
So we're giving a new contract to a third choice left back. <laughs> I know. Uh, of course, we have to mention the, the hugely successful as it's been Patreon. Um, want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who supports us through the Patreon. Um, last episode for the patrons this month was TMT Extra Time. It's our podcast where we sit down with Celtic fans of note and things like that and talk about their work and supporting the hoops. And that was with Melly and I sat down with the girls from On the Ball. Yeah, yeah. Shamefully, the first girls we've ever had on this <laughs> podcast Indeed, in four seasons. Disgusting. Um, but the, that got some really good feedback on that. Yeah, one. People it's liked been great. It. It's very entertaining. I would urge everyone to check that out. Um, lots of interesting stuff in there. Yeah. Um, we have I know New Year's coming up. We yes. have that next. Oh, well, at some point this month, we'll have the New Year's out, and we take a trip back to when, Stephen? Uh, early August 2000, basically the first the first four games of Martin O'Neill's tenure. And that's our documentary series. We were chronicling. Martin O'Neill's time at Celtic. Um, for the treble tier patrons, everyone really wants to be a treble tier patron, don't yeah, they? That's where it's at. We have the original and best treble tier phone in. The phone in, yes, that'll be out this Friday. Yeah, so always, always the best thing we do, to be perfectly yep, honest. Get your voice notes in for that one. And superstar podcaster, the signing we announced on the podcast last week, he's producing some excellent stuff for us. It'll be available on the Patreon also. Yeah, Sean McDonald, of course, uh, the host of the Blethered podcast, has uh, recorded an interview with Celtic legend Tommy Callaghan um, about his time working under Jock Steen and all the all the stories, all the behind-the-scenes behind the gossip and from that era of Celtic. Not giving away any spoilers, but he gets a very fortuitous phone call this yeah, Tommy yeah, during, right. during that interview. Is, that's one to look out for. And I suppose, um, anything else to mention? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We have announced, or we have to announce, another signing. The signings have not finished over at TMT Towers. That's right, the, the transfer business is getting done early. Um, we have another done deal. A done deal has appeared in big yellow letters yes. on the TMT screen. Nobody does Celtic history better than these guys. No nope. touch And we are absolutely thrilled to invite on board the history of boys abroad to the TMT patron. Indeed, an, an exclusive deal, which means um, from this point onwards, if you're a history boys abroad fan, you need to get down with the Patreon at yes. patreon.com forward slash 20 minute times. They are something of a coup. I've been I've been a fan of their I've podcast probably, for years yes. now. Uh, tremendous stuff. Um, thoroughly well researched stuff into Celtic's history. Again, those, they're pretty unparalleled in that sense. Um, it's a bit like hardcore history mixed yeah, with yeah, the Dan Celtic. Carlin. Um, they'll, uh, they'll be producing unique content for us. Yeah. So it's, it won't be on iTunes anymore. All the content will be available on patreon.com slash 20 minute Tim's. Delighted to have them on board though. Yes. And just one final thing, I suppose, on the Patreon. You guys will be wrapping up the fantasy football. This is where Melly tells me you came first. Stephen, you came second. I don't have to buy any of the football strip, especially that new Celtic one because it's honking. Well, we will reveal the final standings on the podcast. The season is over now. We do have a winner of the Celtic shirt that we offered at the start of the season. So all details, shirt, right, you, Melly? <laughs> all details will be revealed. And on that, we shall end. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to everyone who supports us through the Patreon. Thanks to you guys who listen and comment and review the podcast and tweet us and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, we hope you enjoyed that rant. People were really wanting some An anger. An astonishing rant, uh, yes. Hopefully we don't have any more of need for those for the rest of the podcast. Smooth sailing from here on in, Melly. Hopefully, cup final, Hearts trophy day. Thanks for listening. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. 